Um, we've left David hanging. He's going to um, presumably uh, be uh, Achish's bodyguard in this massive offensive against Israel. What's going to happen with that? We are uh, waiting on the edge of our seats as far as that one's concerned. Uh, but meanwhile, Saul is desperate because he sees the offensive coming. The various Philistine lords have banded their troops together and they're uh, poised to fight against Israel. And what in the world are they going to, is Saul going to do? He really wants to hear from the Lord. But he doesn't have any access to the Lord. So how does he deal with that? 7 through 11, chapter 28. Then Saul said to his servant, Seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Indian. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on the clothes and went, and he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done? How he has cut off those who are mediums and spirits from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel. Okay, so Saul in desperation resorts to... A medium. Now, he had cut off the spirits and the mediums from the land. Verse 3, removed them, he banished them. But he doesn't have any other way to try to find the Lord. So he's going to, to try to find a medium that he can talk to. And his servants say, well, there's one in Endor they knew about. He can go there. It's kind of like, you know... Where do your sins send you? You know, when you get desperate, when you have no hope, when all else has failed, it's kind of like a, a sick person. You know, if you, were, if you were really sick, where would you go? Well, probably to the doctor. But what if there's no doctors? What if the doctors have tried and failed? You can see why sometimes people might go to, you know, any you know, quack, who, who seemed to have some promise that he might give success. And I think that's kind of where Saul's at. You know, he's, he's desperate. So he turns to, you know, uh, uh, wells without water, as uh, the New Testament talks about. Uh, he turns to God, and gods in which there are no salvation. But when he comes to the medium, and he says, I want you to conjure up the person I want, what does she say? Yeah, I mean, you know what Saul did. She doesn't know it's Saul. You know what Saul did? He cut those mediums and spirits off from the line. You, you're trying to kill me. You're trying to get me killed. I, you know I can't. There's, there's no spiritus left around here. And what does Saul say to her? <coughs> Isn't it kind of odd to take an oath in the name of God? that he won't put to death the spiritist, the medium, that God had commanded, that he's, he, well, that's really kind of ironic. And so when he commits himself, he's not going to uh, 
you know, tell on her. He's, he's not going to, he's not an informant. You know, she'll be fine. She says, okay, so who do you want me to bring up? You know, she's, the idea of these, these spiritists is they can, they can somehow conjure up the spirit of the dead person and communicate with them. So who does, who does she, he want her to conjure up and who does he want? Samuel. Now, I want you to look back at 1523. Remember when Saul did not utterly exterminate the Amalekites, and Samuel says in verse 23, this is really the Lord, Samuel, uh, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Samuel told Saul that rebellion was like the sin of divination. Now Saul tells this woman to divine Samuel up for him. Isn't that ironic? Comments and questions. Yes, Josh. Um, where is Endor? Don't know. <laughs> and why do his servants know this meaning? I assume she had a reputation. You know, people pretty much know those kind of things. I mean, if you're into that culture, you know where to get a joint, don't you? You know, I mean, they find out. Chat. Where's the high priest? David. David is the protector of Abiathar. Saul's exterminated the others. Okay. So, that's a good question. Well, what's going to happen? She's going to call up Samuel. 12 to 19. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And he said, do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is this form? And she said, an old man is coming up. He was wrapped with a rope. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground, and they hung. And then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me. And Saul has departed from me, and no longer answered me, either through prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I should do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? The Lord has done according as he spoke through me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. As you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of, the is of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Okay, so she's going to bring up Samuel, and what happens? She does. <laughs> what does she do then? She screams. What does that tell you? She was shocked. <laughs> she was shocked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Much to her surprise, not to mention ours. Uh, she uh, was not exactly uh, expecting that, was she? <laughs> so what's this deal about her conjuring up the spirits of the dead? Yeah. 
you know, that, it works re really pretty nicely, you know? I mean, uh, you're the only one that communicates with them, you know, because you're the one who has this special power. And uh, so it, you, can, you can kind of make them say whatever you want and report whatever you want and uh, you get paid handsomely. Uh, but he really comes up. And, uh, uh, you know, it looks to me like this is the Lord. You uh, certainly wasn't her. Um, and and she's, she's freaked out, but it's also what does he look like? Well, he can tell from his clothing that it's Samuel. And Samuel said to Saul in verse 15, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? You know, he's uh, unnecessarily eager to be here. And you think about what was Saul thinking? What was Saul trying to accomplish with this? Matt? What was Saul trying to go? Trying to get the Lord on his side again. Yeah! Trying to get the Lord on his side, trying to get some word of comfort perhaps from the Lord through Samuel. But you wonder how Saul really thought this could happen. It's like he wants Samuel to forget everything that's gone on. You know, forget all these uh, things he's done to forget the things Samuel has told him in the past, to forget the fact that he's been chasing David around trying to kill him for the last however long, to forget the way he tried to bring Samuel up from the dead and, and really give him an encouraging word from God. You know, Saul is deranged, isn't he? You know, what are the chances of that happening? And, and it's interesting Saul explains, I'm distressed, the Philistines are waging war against me, God's departed from me, he won't answer me, and I want you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? You know, the Lord's given the kingdom to David, you didn't obey the Lord, therefore the Lord, verse 19, will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines, Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. You know what that means? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not where they were hoping to be this time tomorrow. Rather, uh, you know, it, it's, I think this helps you see why God wasn't communicating anymore with Saul. He didn't really have anything to tell him that was going to help kind of the same message plus that little addendum there at the end. Comments? Henry? Do you think there's any significance in the fact that Saul covers himself up? It just have been, you know, the way he, he would dress or whatever. I, I don't really know. We'll have a See, uh, Saul seemed to recognize him from that, so perhaps that's a common way he was dressed. Hannah? I'm just curious, are we even sure that, I've just heard that this is not really happening to God. I don't know if you're intrigued for that argument, um, that just, it, it never shows, like, by the way it's written, that Sam, or that Saul actually sees Samuel because he is having to see it through this lady and he never actually, from what it's, what it's written it sounds like he never actually sees him and not to mention 
Samuel doesn't really provide any information that Saul doesn't already know. And also, it just seems like the time that passes between now and when he actually does die doesn't really seem like it is a whole day. So I've just heard that the woman is just making it up and this isn't even real. I just wondered what you thought about that. I don't think that's true. Uh, I'm not sure that Saul ever saw him, but um, it says in verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel. I think she saw Samuel. And it has in verse 15, Samuel saying to Saul, etc. I think the better explanation from the wording of the text <coughs> is, contrary to all expectations, Samuel actually came back. Now, I will say, I suspect, I don't know what you think, Marcos, but uh, I don't know that I've talked about this in Porto Alegre, but in general in Brazil, Brazilians have a lot harder time accepting the idea that Samuel would come back. I think because of the spiritualist background, you have any, do you, what do you think, or did, what would you say about that? Is that, is that common among the Brazilians you know as well? Yeah, Brazilian really, really common. Yeah, they would see that as an indication, perhaps, that the theory about the spirits are right. So it becomes an obstacle in trying to fight against spiritism if he really came back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be even the reason why we might object to that as well, except spiritism is not a, something we battle against, so it's not as big a deal. I think this is just an exception. Uh, that, you know, I mean, you think about like, a, you know, Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. There would probably be some Brazilian brethren who would struggle with even that. I don't know. You think not? I but, think not among the brethren. Okay, among the brethren, perhaps not. But um, but I think these are exceptions, not the norm. It doesn't mean that a medium can just conjure up any uh, spirit of a, a, a dead person that they want to. This is just God in this situation causing this to happen. God can cause anything He wants to happen. Chris, He's used a lot of. A lot of stranger things throughout even this story <laughs> to do his will and and to get his word to someone so this wouldn't be out of the question also the woman suddenly knew who Saul was by some means so it wasn't like she just made this up and oh you're Saul and right so that was given to her by by God right and the fact that she would say that Samuel would say you and your sons will be with me tomorrow that's a pretty bold prediction. Probably not what she would want to say if she were making it up. You'd probably get paid more if you said he would have longer. <laughs> you would think so, yes. It brings to mind the, the saying, be careful what you wish for, you may get it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, good point. Other thoughts? Hannah? I really don't mean to draw this out. That's but, okay. Um, I'm just also thinking about like the fact that um, apparently Saul was really trying to get a hold of God, I guess you would say, um, in the previous verses, he had tried different methods to get a hold of God. So then, after God just did not want to, to obviously make himself known to him, why did God finally choose this pagan woman to really finally talk to him? Well, or, I'm, I think the, the, what I would say is God gave him a, an unproductive, uh, depressing message through her. You know, this is not what Saul wants to hear. This is not helpful. This is not encouraging. It's none of what Saul really wanted from the Lord. And, you know, I mean, God does use various means. He uses a pagan prophet, look to me like Balaam. 
you know, to give messages and Balaam's donkey for that matter. So it's not uh, unusual for the Lord to use an unworthy instrument. But, but I think the key in this is to realize nothing about this is what Saul wants. This is just the opposite of what he wants. <coughs> Other thoughts? 20 to 25. Immediately Saul fell fully on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's work. His strength was gone, for he did nothing all that day and night. When the woman came to Saul and saw how he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your maidservant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food, so that you may eat and have strength to go on your way. But he refused to eat and said, I will not eat. So his men joined the woman in urging him, and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at her, the house, which she put at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night they got up and left. So Saul just falls onto the ground, fearful because of Samuel's words, you know, just almost paralyzed. I mean, clearly this was not encouraging him. You know, this was a very difficult thing, um, you know, overwhelming to him. Yeah, he hadn't eaten all day. The woman tries to get him to eat. He doesn't want to, but finally he listens to her words, even though he's not been willing to obey the words of God. And she gets a meal in him before he goes out. It's kind of his last supper, his final meal, before he and his sons are going to be killed tomorrow in this great Philistine offensive. Yes? It, uh, it's one of those, again, that I look at the physiological aspects of it and how he fell to the ground. He was felt like he was, it looks like he felt like he was paralyzed, like he couldn't eat, he couldn't do anything. And there's a disorder that we call a conversion disorder. And that's when... Someone can feel paralyzed, but there's no known cause for it. And it's caused by stressful situations. And so I thought that was just really cool that God can also do that to someone, to think that they could be paralyzed. And everything is as if they are, but it's no real cause. Yes, but also this message has great impact. I mean, this is what he was hoping not to hear. He, I think you could tell he really believes it. You know, he, he, he believes this is true. And it's just overwhelming to him. Um, I'm not trying to word this, but um, here after he's told this, and he believes it, like he said, but then he's not repentant at all. Like when Zedekiah, he was told he was going to die. He was repentant and sorry, and he begged the Lord to forgive him, and the Lord gave him more years. Here, he's not thinking that at all. Sometimes we're kind of the same. We'll, um, God will tell us, like in Romans uh, 3, 23, I think, that all fall short in our sin, and and I think that sometimes we think, well, we're going to sin. God says we're going to sin. And so this one sin is okay because God said that we're going to have to sin. But God doesn't say that we're going to have to sin. It says that we are going to fall short. And we need to learn to repent and to fight, even though God says it's going to happen, to fight to keep ourselves faithful. It's been a long time that Saul's needed to repent, that he's been hearing the words of the Lord, and he doesn't have a heart to repent. He doesn't really want to do what God says. He's so filled with, with attitudes that are against the Lord that, yeah, he just more or less resigns himself. Yeah. 
Steve. Is there a significance to the unleavened bread here, kind of like that last supper? I mean, it does record that detail. Maybe, or maybe the idea is she rushes it up to fix it because he's not got law. Okay. Other thoughts? All right, uh, chapter 29, finally back to the David angle. Chapter 29, verses 1 to 5. 